From PQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. I'm Peter Warner, and I'm reading from the novel Love and Shame and Love. This is a chapter called Census 1980, and it involves uh, Miriam, uh, who is Alexander Popper's mother, who is, she takes many odd jobs in her life, and among them is work as a census taker. Miriam dressed up as the Easter bunny for Easter seals. That bulbous-headed costume, those big floppy feet. She volunteered for the March of Dimes. She sold magazine subscriptions. She trained to be a docent at the Oriental Institute at the University of Chicago and could speak at length about mummification and hieroglyphics. She worked as a substitute high school teacher. Gordon Tech, Lane Tech, Maine West, Glenbrook South. She also worked as a census taker. In 1980, the year the second city was demoted to third, and Jane Byrne was so livid she threatened to sue the federal government for defaming Chicago's character, Miriam tromped the streets of the city to count the people. And Alexander Popper would go door to door with her and listen to the song and dance. Yes, I'm with the government, but the Census Bureau is an independent agency under the auspices of the Commerce Department, charged solely with the collection of numerical and demographical data. We're not interested in, for instance, your criminal record, your tax history, your immigration status. Slam. Knock again. All information is strictly confidential. It is against federal law to share information collected by the Census. The government merely wants to slam, and Miriam knocks again, again. The census is a constitutional mandate. The Founding Fathers believed that the lifeblood of democracy itself was dependent upon an accurate slam. On the first day of the second month, the Lord said to Moses, take a census of the whole slam. And Miriam, banging on the door again, look, do me a favor and just throw out a number, any number. Miriam in a trench coat, sunglasses on her head, carrying a bundle of questionnaires and booklets. Anything to get out of the suburbs. On the Kennedy Expressway, the city rising, she would say, look around, observe. And Popper would call out the sites, Morton Salt, Abbott Adhesives, the Polish Catholic Union, Ukrainian National Bank, Magicist Lips. She loved construction. She loved muggings. She loved traffic. She loved traffic reports. 14 minutes to the Circle Exchange, Kennedy 19 minutes to Montrose, the Ryan outbound 28 minutes to 95th, Lakeshore Drive free and clear from Monroe to Hollywood, Fender Bender on the inbound Ike, Gaper's Block from Mannheim to the post office, traffic sponsored by Ray Harris, King Dotson, home of the king-size discounts. That's us, Miriam saying, 19 minutes to Montrose. We're flying in today. Careful, honey. And that move she used to make, that all mothers used to make. Gone now in this dull age of seatbelts. Miriam slashing her hand across Popper's chest at the hint of any danger. Massachusetts girl in Chicago, and she couldn't get enough. New England was stale, complacent. Chicago was about the new. Knock it down, big boy, and build me something bigger. The city that works won't be slowed by sentimental nostalgia. And Miriam, census taker, counter of souls, was now a cog in this unstoppable wheel of action, this remarkable place where a woman, a woman, was elected himself. But census-taking, the act itself, is its own special hell. 
And Popper began even then to understand how hard it can be to confront even the most basic questions about your life. Who do you live with? Who don't you live with? In his census memories, it is always raining, and they are always drenched. And Miriam would say, Enough of this already. Let's get a drink. And so together they'd flee to the nearest bar, never more than a block or two away. And she'd plunk down her papers and say to the bartender, usually a slow-eyed man emerging out of the corner of darkness, Give me a martini. Very, very dry. And to Popper, Cola or uncola? Uncola, he said. No, wait, a Coke. No, uncola. No, wait, a Coke. And always that unlit, red-tipped cigarette between her fingers. And she'd practice on him. Who do you live with? You, Leo, and Dad. Immediate family? What do you mean? Are all the persons you named members of your immediate family? I'm confused. Occupation? Archaeologist. Highest degree attained? Huh? What grade are you in? I'm in fifth. Years in the state of Illinois? Not excluding terms of military service? Whole life. Religion? I know, Mom, I know. We're Jewish, but I don't have to be. I can be anything. He remembers. They were on the 1800 block of South Pulaski, and the door of a basement apartment was immediately opened by an alarmingly tall woman with a wild mass of orange hair. She swatted away the speech. Come on in, Commerce Department. The woman lived in a single room, a kitchen and a living room. Rain was banging on the little rectangular windows. She lived eye level with the wet feet going by on the sidewalk. One lamp hung from a chain, a single bulb behind a tattered red shade. The light in the room was the color of washed out blood. You could tell where the border between the kitchen and the living room was supposed to be by where the linoleum ended and the worn gnarled carpet began. But her stuff didn't seem to care what was the kitchen and what wasn't. In the red shadows, he could see scattered piles of newspapers, old mail, coupon books, clothes, and unwashed dishes. Spent Kleenex were strewn across the apartment like little crumplets of flowers. On the single chair in the room was a plant the size of a man. Shoved into one corner was an upright piano that doubled as a bookshelf and a place for shoes. And on the sofa, memory swears, was a small load of lumber. Make yourselves at home, she cried. Oh, no, Miriam said, I wouldn't want to trouble you. I only have a few very brief. Sit. For a few moments they stood there confused. Sit where? The woman motioned towards the chairless kitchen table. As they got closer, they saw that on the other side of the table, wedged against the wall, was another lower couch. On it were crumpled sheets and a pillow. They sat. The orange-haired woman might have been tall enough for the couch to double as a bed in a kitchen chair, but Miriam and her kid were smallish people. Miriam scooted forward so that at least her head and arm were above the table. Popper did his best to do the same, shoving his chin just over the edge. No, she said, sit back, make yourselves comfortable. So Miriam propped her papers on her knees and poised her pencil. The woman joined them on the couch bed. Move over a bit, honey, Miriam said. So, the woman said, what was it you wanted to ask me, Commerce Department? How many people in your household? The orange-haired woman swayed backward and laughed. She stopped and abruptly stood up. The effect was like a trampoline. The two of them flung upward. The woman looked around the apartment as if she were looking for somebody who had been hiding. You know, 
I used to have a lot of men, she said, and reached down and set her large hand on top of Popper's head. Cute when they're little. They ought to snip it off early. Age, Miriam said, you can be approximate. Are you married? You must be married. Petite, pretty. Although I notice no ring. It's in your pocket? Men talk to you easier that way? Answer all your questions? Source of monthly income, Miriam said. Are you happy in that matrimony? Miriam changed her grip on her pencil and sank deeper into the half couch. Disability, the orange-haired woman said to buoy her a little. I'm on disability, 160 a week. Monthly, that's... You're not from here. Massachusetts, Miriam said. I'm from Massachusetts. Alternate source of income? Stock dividends? Bond yields? Interest on long-term savings accounts? Would you two like some pretzels? I'm sure the little monkey eats pretzels. From the front pocket of her blue jeans, she yanked out a crumpled bag of pretzels and handed it to Popper. He took one pretzel and listened to himself chomp in his own ears. Doesn't talk much, does he, Commerce Department? I've only got a few more, Miriam said. Oh, don't be shy. Ask away. Would you consider yourself white, black, Hispanic, Asian, American Indian, or Aleutian Islander and or Eskimo? Miriam said. The rain went on banging on the windows. Miriam was diligent. She soldiered on. The training manual had said expect certain counties to be resistant. Remember the three P's. Patience, persistence, politeness. And my hair's not really red, the woman said. It's not? I dye it out of vanity. I'm not saying I was ever beautiful, not like you. I was never as beautiful as someone like you. I can only imagine what you must have looked like as a child. Highest degree attained, Miriam whispered. I'm not lonely. You can think what you want. Popper watched his mother write this down. She'd begun to write it all down, everything. But he remembers thinking that this was true. The orange-haired woman wasn't lonely. It was the two of them who had come to her out of the rain. Occupation? Insomniac. Is this your primary residence? What's he do? Who? Your other monkey, the bigger monkey. He's an attorney. And Miriam wrote this down also. Papa read it. My other monkey is an attorney. Religious affiliation, Miriam asked. The orange-haired woman watched his mother then so intently and for so long that the afternoon collapsed. The patterns of wrinkles radiating from her eyes were like fresh cobwebs. She reached for Miriam's throat with her big fingers and held them there as if she was taking her pulse. Popper spoke then for the first time all afternoon, nearly shrieking, It's not required. Last shred of outside light now gone, only that blood light, but the rain still banging on the little windows. He doesn't remember leaving. He doesn't remember the walk back to the car. South Pulaski reaching flat for uncountable miles, or even the rain, the rain beating on his mother's coat, the rain in his shoes, 
the rain in his eyes, the silence between the two of them on the drive home. None of it. He remembers none of it. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, visit kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.